0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day, wherever you are. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles. What are we? It's uh, Next Generation. I am Ron Kolick. I always get the shows mixed up. I'm so bad. Uh, Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm, the unknown, the unexplained, the unbelievable, the unworthy, and all so forth. Uh, With me tonight is a very special guest, one of my favorites is uh the how can i see it the queen of strangeness i like that word uh anyways she is Bala ventura hello that was bad, that was bad
1: huh <laughs> no no i i just didn't know what what you were gonna say <laughs>
0: honestly i don't know what i i'm gonna say um I, I did i used to do the morning show and the producer never knew how i was going to open up the show he was like always wanted to see what the hell is he going to talk about now? What's he doing now? And uh, that's what it was. So that's what it came out with today. So there you go. You got it. So Vala, Sounds we, good haven't, good to me. we haven't spoke to you in a, a long, long time. You are an author of many, many books. Uh, you are an extremely talented person. Um, so what have you been up to?
1: Well, um, well, thank you. I have been working on a couple different um, book projects, so hopefully, getting closer to um, actually turning them into books. Um, so, I've been I've been working on that quite a bit, and I have been recording some episodes of a. I guess it'll be a podcast. I don't know. You know, I'm not that tech savvy. Um, but I've recorded a couple episodes of a series called Midnight Stories with Barla Ventura. And, um, yeah, and it's uh, stories to keep you up at night, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or or to pass the time while you're walking the dog, whatever, whatever you need to do.
0: <laughs> whatever you do. Um,
1: and the first, yeah, and so it's it'll be all kind, it'll be a menagerie. You know, I'm a bit of a, a strange menagerie, so... Sometimes it um, might be about particular places or events, but currently the episodes I've recorded are about some pretty um, incredible stories of some uh, women in the paranormal during the spiritualist movement, something I've written about a little bit in the paranormal parlor, and I've kind of expanded and learned more about a couple of these incredible characters that, um, I mean, kind of the overarching theme for me in those regards um and i have a a talk coming up at the scottish goddess conference on this very on this very subject scottish goddess how fabulous is that yeah what is that (laughs) so this year it is a virtual conference um it was launched a couple of years ago of course uh, in the middle of covid so it does actually take place in scotland but this year Uh, She's got everyone appearing virtually and uh, she does like different themes. This year, the theme is oracles of the divine. Oh, you, you'd love it, Ron. And there's a, a, a bunch of different amazing speakers um, who are giving talks. um, And I believe it's actually free to attend. Um, You just have to uh, register and then ideally make a donation to the, Scottish Goddess Conference, which is a, I think it's a nonprofit, but it is based in Scotland. And um, my talk is kind of about uh, women using the psychic arts to elevate their status um, during the, you know, kind of the apex of the spiritualist movement between like 1850 and 1920 or so. Of course, it went on longer than that and started earlier than that, but that was really kind of a peak time for spiritualism. And there's quite a few women who were able to kind of break out of the confines of what was expected of them or what they were, you know, um, allowed to do in terms of occupation and creative arts and um, everything from channeling books to, um, you know, I talk a little bit about the Fox sisters and their, their role in kind of um, propelling the spiritualist movement forward. Um, so I think it's I think the name of the talk is breaking the Victorian glass ceiling. <laughs> um, so that uh, let's see I'll I'll have to pull the dates up of that conference. It's it uh, it's very interesting. There's some incredible um, incredible speakers. Lon Duquette is speaking about I think he's speaking about the I Ching as an oracle. Um, just a number of names that, you know, if you're interested in in the psychic arts at all, you would probably recognize. And um, it happens once a year. She's put a lot of work into it, and it looks like an incredible lineup. I believe it's, I want to say off the top of my head, it's October 30th through November 1st. But I'll confirm mm-hmm. those dates before we, before we get off. I just got to check.
0: Whatever, send it me the thing. link, and I'll put it up on the page anyway so that people can find it. So that'd be good.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be gotcha. wonderful. And it's a, it's a really, I mean, it's an amazing organization, and it's this woman who's just really dedicated to getting kind of a, a, a magical community presenting together. Um, and they couldn't have a better name, you know. So my hope is next year it'll be in, in person because I love Scotland.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. They, they all want me up there, but I've never been. It's like I haven't gone. UK, the same way, anywhere in the UK, well, Scotland is UK, but anyway, anywhere in that area, they I have friends all over the place, they keep inviting me, but uh, I don't know, I hate flying,
1: so. You don't like to fly. Hey, I met someone on the train one time, taking the train across the country, and he didn't like to fly, and he and his son were taking the train from California to Chicago to New York, and in New York, they were boarding a ship to get to London. And then they were meeting a couple people there, and then embarking on like a Mediterranean cruise because he refused to fly. So took him a little longer, but he happened to have the time. Yeah, I've been yeah. thinking
0: uh, boat, and I might try that. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. There's another one. I think I might go right into it if I have enough. If I feel like it, uh, I might fly into Ireland and then go that way into Ireland, and then I'll go over. On the ferry to Wales, and oh the yeah, it's, and all, then go up the.
1: Well, Ron, so, from where yeah. you are, it's it's not that long of a flight because the last time I went to Ireland, I threw I flew through Boston, and did a nonstop from Boston to Dublin, and it's not that long of a flight. It's uh, um you know usually at night, so you can you know, they turn the lights down and um you know make it make it comfortable, um, it's, so it's not.
0: It's faster on the way back. Yeah, sure is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you but gain time, right?
0: It, it's not so much that that I have a fear of flying. It's just I don't like flying. There's a difference. I mean, I've flown before. Yeah, about, you know, getting yeah. Wrong. Of course. Uh, I just, you know, for a while there, I was absolutely uh, prevented from flying. Uh, I, I was on, I could not fly. I had a do not fly uh, thing on my health. So anyway.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, but that, well, no I I, I, that flight from um, from Boston to, to Dublin is is a I say a, a relatively easy one as far as international flights go. It's it's fairly quick and relatively painless as as flights go. You just got to spring for the like comfort plus seats, you know, with a little bit more leg room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you exactly. can get up. Especially me. Yeah. But I'm a tall yeah. guy. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm not, but, but still. <laughs> but the reason
0: I even called you is that I just did my recent newsletter uh, in August. And it was on a subject that you used to be like a lot and maybe still do. Mermaids.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, I saw that. I saw that newsletter. Mm. I read that newsletter, I should oh, say. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And... uh that all started off because I had someone from the International Mermaid Museum uh, on the show, and uh, oh, yeah, she. It's out in uh. Th- there's there's a couple of them. This is a larger one. It's out in um, the West Coast. I forget the exact town, but uh, yeah, it's it's a cool, very cool place. Um, it's also uh, they have a winery as well. Ah, um, yeah, and a place you could stay, like a a b and B type thing uh or or rooms and i
1: I assume there's a pool
0: (laughs) i yeah that would make sense they have a festival they have a mermaid (laughs) festival there every year in that particular town
1: oh Uh, okay yes yes
0: some of the some of the footage from uh the uh the mermaids what's the what was the name of that uh movie the the mockumentary um, oh,
1: the body revealed. I think mermaids. Yeah. The body revealed. Oh yes. yeah. Oh yeah. That
0: that was some of that was shot there, and uh, yeah, it's on. Oh, here it is. It's in Aberdeen, Washington.
1: Uh, so yeah. Oh uh, yeah. What a funny. Isn't that where um, Kurt Why? Cobain is from? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah probably why he killed himself i have been uh, there <laughs> once but it was in the 90s and it probably is a, uh, um hopefully thriving now yeah it's it's a it wasn't then
0: they had they built their own lighthouse for for the museum and stuff it's kind of cool oh uh,
1: fabulous
0: yeah and they they have like you know you go in it's like seascape from under the sea so yeah it's like experience of being on wrecks and stuff it's kind of kind of unique thing um, so anyway, um that's how I thought about you on the show, but I did want to ask you something before I get through. oh the even the best part of that, by the way, is they sent us uh bottles of wine, and, and I so.
1: Oh is it Mermaid, mermaid Wine?
0: Mermaid below. Oh mermaid
1: below. <laughs> I love it. You I love you. it.
0: <laughs> but uh anyways, oh yes, your book among the mermaids.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I
0: featured it in the featured actually featured it in that newsletter.
1: I saw that. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And I failed to thank you in person or uh, that's all right. in an email. Nobody ever anything. does. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's a thankless job. Well, s- just speaking of, of shipwrecks and like mm-hmm. kind of wreck, um, you know, wreck replicas. I don't know. Have you ever been down to Key West? Uh no.
0: Bit well, of Well, that's. I mean, you could
1: you could, you could you could you could drive you could drive to to Key West really from where you are. I mean, it'd be a long it's drive, like but you could do miles. it. Yeah, you'd make a road trip out of it.
0: Um, <laughs> well, uh,
1: but there is a museum there um, called the mm. Shipwreck Museum. Yep. And I did not know this, but um, during you know the the kind of early settling days of that area, as people were kind of starting to build up um, the town of Key West, they would there were frequently shipwrecks, and they would you know salvage things, and there was like kind of a whole thriving industry. Of wreckers or or salvagers, yep. and occasionally some of the uh, less scrupulous people would sort of deliberately um, oh yeah misdirect ships so that they would wreck and they could get the cargo. Moon, and so moon, I actually
0: mooncusps a Um, I think it was good down yeah. there. Of a couple, it
1: was a couple years ago, and. Uh, it was actually kind of interesting. I mean, we—I was—I was there with my mom. And we were having a great time, and we were checking out all of these things. And we were actually on a ghost tour, which was a fabulous ghost tour. It was like the ghosts and graveyards tour of Key West or something like I that. I had them on
0: the show, actually.
1: <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, full circle. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: And it's, it was fabulous, and I always love. You know, probably for much the same reason you do. I always love uh, going on ghost tours in towns that I haven't been to before because you you often get access to things after hours. You get a little bit of interesting history that might not be in the tourist brochure, and um, you know you you cruise around. You go see Robert the Doll, who's incredibly creepy. Yeah. But we went into the shipwreck museum. And we walked in there and it was, it was after hours. So it was just people on the tour and we walked in there and Ron, I almost passed out. I actually, they were talking and all of a sudden I felt all, I had one of those experiences where I just felt tremendous amount of pressure, not unlike being underwater And I didn't I could breathe and everything, but I just I had to actually grab on to the railing in front of me so that I didn't pass out. I was so I didn't fall, you know, and it just was like really, really intense. And I sort of it it came and then it started to wane and I stepped away from the spot. It was right near the entrance. I stepped away from the spot and I started to feel better. And I kind of just I didn't say anything because, you know, I don't want to be that person on the ghost tour like, hey, I just had an experience, you know, it's just like, okay, maybe I can just like just work through this. And I so, of course, you know, um, I'm what my friend Bucky calls a hot stove toucher, (laughs) which is like, (laughs) oh, that's going to hurt. Let me see. (laughs) So I, of course. Back into the spot again, because I wasn't feeling it when I stepped away. I stepped back into the spot and I I felt it again, just this really intense presence. It wasn't necessarily it takes a lot to scare me. So I wasn't feeling scared, but I was definitely feeling this um, almost like sinus pressure, you know, like like it felt like uh, the air was sort of pushing in on me. And uh, then after that, I stepped out of the area and just sort of like continued the tour. And then I told my mom after when we went to dinner, I was like, So this thing happened. I didn't tell her at the time because she would have been like, Hey, my daughter had a, (laughs) my daughter just had an experience on your tour. Um, So when you said like, you know, the simulation of the wrecks and stuff, I was just kind of brought that to mind because, you know i do a lot of paranormal research and i you know i love freaky things and i love to listen to people's ghost stories and i i um i i kind of don't have as many experiences as i you would think given the amount of exposure so it really stood out to me because um you know it was kind of unexpected and, uh, so I'm convinced that that museum is haunted. And of course it was on the tour because it was haunted, but I, mm-hmm. I, I felt something very specific. I think it was probably what was in that, like there was like a desk that had been pulled up from some wreckage of the, of the captain's quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I know how you feel about, uh, ships and pirates and mermaids and all that. So thought I'd share that little ghost story with you. I, it's
0: I think it's great, but the uh, what you're and I, and I don't mean, but the, I mean, I, I think it's great, but it reminds me <laughs> basically of, uh, you know, psychometry where certain objects retain certain energy. Maybe you were picking up on a particular energy of a, a uh, object in the museum. And uh, especially it was. Yeah, spy. that's what
1: I wondered too. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wondered if it was more attached to an object or like objects rather than mm-hmm. a specific presence, because I, um, you know, I've had experiences where I encountered present a presence, um, mm-hmm. but this felt a little bit different. I just not had that exact um, that exact feeling although um I I was in Las Vegas just this last May and went with um uh there was someone in our group who uh oh what is I think I think his uh I think Paranormal Road Trippers is in his his moniker and uh, okay. really cool guy and we walked down to this uh old hotel that oh, I think it was the Cortez. And it's oh, yeah. kind of off the strip, uh, no, it's not off the strip where, where it's downtown. So it's kind of away from that sort of like hustle and bustle. And we walked in there and we're just walking around, checking it out. It's very cool. Super old. It was like the first resort in, in Vegas. And we walked um, into this al- like uh, alley, a hallway that had uh, pictures of like different, you know, mafia members who had uh, used to come and hang out there. And we both stopped in the same spot and kind of had a, a you know, to me it sort of felt a little bit like the, you know, the 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 pressure in the room just changed a bit. And it was interesting because we both had the same I, I haven't had too many uh experiences, shared experiences. You've you've probably had more than than I, but generally I'm I'm on my own.
0: You know, that's an interesting uh feeling and an interesting thought because uh, you know Steve Parson who is my friend from the UK parapsychologist and even uh, Karen O'Keefe who's also from there they've done experiences in like certain haunted locations like a castle or something and what they do is they have people just go through the thing and then they would write down uh, you know they would go individually and they would write down what they feel that's as they went along, and they found a correlation to uh, certain spots in these locations where people had experiences, and that was, you know, common without speaking to each other. So, you know, that that makes total sense.
1: Yeah, and you you want and then of course, you know, the the writer in me is just like imagination just goes all kinds of places. It's like, oh, was this where something specific happened? Or is this a spot that's somehow energetically connected to some greater grid of, you know, a paranormal superhighway?
0: <laughs> yeah. Ley line.
1: Yeah. Ley, ley lines. Line. You always yeah. gotta remember
0: ley lines. Le- le- yep. But,
1: yeah.
0: But I mean, that's the interesting thing about the paranormal that I find so fascinating is that we don't know, we have these experiences, but we don't really know what they are. I mean, we have people that will tell you they're this and this, and that's their beliefs. And I'm not trying to diminish them in any way, but there's really no proof that what they're telling you is really actually happening. I mean, there there are some beliefs that I believe more than others, but. And that's all they are is beliefs. We, we I don't think we'll ever, ever prove the paranormal uh, uh, what we are experiencing. I mean, like, uh, Steve is the god of infrasound, and uh, he has done all kinds of experiments for all different uh organizations and and science programs where they they use infrasound uh to. Uh, see if the same effects can be obtained. So we, we know that infrasound, a b- very, very low sound, uh, you know, like a bass speaker, you might hear it in the car miles away. You get that vibrational thing. Well, that has an effect on on people. And uh, so, yeah, it's it may be environmental. It may be paranormal. That's the interesting part about it. We don't know.
1: Right. And the not knowing is what keeps us curious oh
0: yeah oh yeah the, the not
1: knowing is, is almost the best part because um it's the what if and and i think like with any with any evidence you can you can see what you you know you can see what you want to see the only real evidence you have is your own experiences and mm-hmm. and you know people can choose to believe them or not and uh you know i think also frequently When we have those experiences, and I know this, even as a, as a, you know, a a geek for this kind of stuff, I, as soon as, as soon as something's happening, I, I am in complete disbelief. And then I spend as much logical time as possible trying to convince myself it didn't happen until I'm able to sort of put things together. And I think that's what, what is really kind of interesting about the paranormal encounters They 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 almost kind of mess with your sense of time because you'll be having this experience. It happens in like a flash, right? It's, it's, Mm -hmm. if you were looking at your watch, it'd probably be less than five seconds. And yet the recollection of it makes it feel as if it it went on for an hour or, you know, it's, it's a, it's a vivid experience. And I think it's kind of interesting that it, it sort of, it messes with this idea of our our kind of you know second by second linear keeping of time, and it really kind of you know. And then of course there's an, in the recollection. Well, you've got to tell the before, and you've got to tell the after, so the story gets a little longer.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because and other times we have the experience itself, and and you can't always convert that experience into words uh you know it's an experience uh so it, it might seem longer or the words might actually be longer than the experience but it, it's difficult to do and time's a man-made thing by the way so it's it's just something we right. to use to measure things but it's you know it's not the most uh uh accurate thing that we have to to measure what really really goes on how long that period is and we say how long we we, we, we try to measure in time uh, but it's it's you know the I think I'm lucky in that and doing this all these years is that when I, whenever I do an investigation even when I collect evidence and, and everything else I'm always just presenting the evidence when I taught paranormal CSI that was the first thing in, I told people, this is when you come into this room, you keep put your beliefs in a jar by the door. You're there is collect evidence. And that's what I do. And so, yeah. like, I've seen apparitions and everything. Now, do I believe in ghosts? I can't You tell you just because I saw those apparitions that I can't explain that that was a ghost. I, You know, it was something that I saw. Uh, I believe I saw, you know, and uh, that's it. That's all I can tell you. So we, we have these beliefs. Everything goes through our beliefs. So I've I've been very, very good at this and and that's just reporting what I saw, experienced, felt, so forth.
1: It just Yeah, and, and I think one thing people probably we get kind of the, the misconception from uh you know edited down television shows and such is that, you know, oh, those God those goodness. shows are hours and hours and hours of footage of nothing happening. Absolutely nothing happening. And then it's edited together because nobody's going to sit there and, you know, listen to 10 hours of EVP with no with no sound. So we kind of get about hours and hours cut down time. We have have to take
0: a break. (laughs) So anyways, uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron Kolick. And our very, very special guest today is one of my favorite persons, Vala Ventura, author. Go check out her website. And we'll be, oh, we're brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 286 Mermark Street, Massachusetts, the Glant Messier Family Library, 15 High Street, not the end Massachusetts, and our very, 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 very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio and Patreon. We'll be back. That, of course, is the theme to Van Helsinks. so we let it breathe like a fine wine. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am Ron Kolick, and my special guest today is Vala Ventura. So, speaking about that, I actually messaged uh, Vala during the break, and I said, anything particular you want to bring up? So, Vala, is there anything particularly you want to bring up? Allah, love,
1: oh no! Sorry, I I muted myself so I didn't. Um, that happens like so many fool, times, and I, I can't uh, tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Rookie move. You think yeah. I'd I'd have this figured out after 15 years? Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't
0: don't feel bad. Our last guest last week, we had we had two guests on. We had one the, from a museum. I forget what I think it's Molly Brown Museum or something. Then we had a an actor from uh that does certain things at the museum. So we, we had the guest on the first thing and we'd be talking and all of a sudden her car would just drop. So it was like oh, the show like the first fifteen minutes and finally so we gave up on it. So we just couldn't do it. So it happens.
1: <laughs> Technical difficulties. Yeah. Um well, I mean, I actually have been contemplating like just kind of um, on that topic of, of like that sort of suspension of time. And, um, you know, I'm a big fairy folklore researcher. So mm-hmm. that's something that I, especially this time of year when, you know, we talk about how as the seasons change and the veils thin, mm-hmm. kind of peering into that other world and I think that that suspension of time is really, um, you know, that to me is that, that very definition of fairy time. You know, you talk about like falling asleep in the fairy mound and there's all these tales of sort of um, time stretching out. So it seems like either you've been there for an eternity and you've only been asleep for 30 minutes or you've been there. For what feels like a couple of hours dancing and flitting about. And then it turns out you've been gone for seven years. Mm -hmm. And I I think that that idea of like that sort of ripple in time, just kind of going back to what you said about time being this sort of, you know, manmade construct that we're using to, you know, count down so we can take our commercial breaks and we can get to work on time and um, get to school on time and all of those things. Uh, and then we have these like moments when that's sort of suspended and I think even you know people talk about you know like near-death experiences or um, you know a traumatic event and how it sort of replays again and again because something in the in the time our brains are only able to absorb so much but then we sort of replay it and I I've, I've really come to kind of connect that idea of, I mean, even even right now, right? Like we're we're listening to each other, we're talking. It's kind of a suspension of time outside of whatever our regular, you know, you know, uh, linear idea is. And I think that that space, if if we can lean into that space, although it's hard to um, it's hard to control all the time, but if you can lean into that space, that's really where you can kind of access that other world. Uh, You know, you're not going to, you're not, you're not going to necessarily manage it at the stroke of midnight, but there is something about letting go of the, the world around us in order to access that other world in a very kind of logical way. So I I don't know, I've just been kind of thinking about this, um, this idea of actually like entering into the fairy realm and how do you get to the fairy realm you know in Ireland as you well know there are all of these um, caves and um, uh, crossroads and places where it's said that you can actually access the fairy kingdom and that these are the origins of Halloween of Sa- of Samhain, where at night on you know um, on Samhain the creatures from the other realm come forward, and it's two headed vampires and ghosts and um, I I just I don't know if ghosts are the same thing are you know because i think we equate ghosts with humans and then sometimes animals right Mm -hmm. as like these supernatural beings do they all dwell in the same area do you get to choose like okay uh instead of going this way i'd rather just spend all eternity in this cave with all these like freaky freaky monsters and stuff and then come out once a year and terrorize everyone (laughs) You know, yep. I mean, we don't know, but just you know, as you said, that the evidence is only in our, um, you know, our own experiences yep. and what we choose to believe of others' uh, accounts, and and like you, yep. believe it or not, like you, I am a collector. Um, I am collecting the facts about folklore. I'm not always uh, and. I mean, I certainly get a sense of whether uh, I think somebody is telling me a truthful story or, you know, they're just kind of saying it because they want to fit into the paranormal group or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, there's something really just even about the shared experience and talking about that, that kind of can kind of shift a mindset. And I think that kind of just helps you access the other world. That's not to say that the more experiences you have, the more experiences you'll have um, by any means. But I think that for many of us, some of the things that, that we've experienced as young young kids or that children experience kind of points to the idea that without the barriers of disbelief, we're able to suspend the disbelief and therefore we're able to sort of enter into that um, magical space of, you know, the fairy time, really.
0: Yeah, I mean we we talk about ghosts and we talk about time slips. There, there is and people you know have their theories for ghosts and disembodied souls, so forth and so forth. Some people believe they're time travelers. And other people say think they might be just a, a slip in time where you they you and them are in the same space. Uh so you know you have that aspect to it as as well.
1: Oh, and then you have those stories, those time slips where somebody sees themselves you know oh, yeah. like yeah you yeah, they'll, they'll walk in and they'll see themselves and then they they end up like 20 years later having the opposite experience and and realize that they didn't see a ghost it was actually them but just mm-hmm. like something got yeah th- there was a glitch <laughs> a glitch in the matrix right where suddenly you're like oh we're not supposed to be in the same place at the same time <laughs> we messed up there something happened well you look at
0: it, you know I I I'm interested in everything and a lot of things I didn't believe in I I've always been open minded to, to at least attempt them and when you have to do it you have to do it with good intent you have to go and say okay I'm going to do what they say I'm going to you know if it works it works uh, so I took spoon with uh, Dr. Eng uh, at Circles of Wisdom and I you know spoon I thought was just a trick and so forth but one of the exercise i did all the exercises i think it was like 10 exercises i did them all and all the spoons bent so yay for me but one of the exercises was <laughs> was um having sending your other self out to bend the spoon so this is an oh. interesting concept because you were talking about seeing your other self well you know we look at people that astral project, they actually project themselves somewhere else. There are reports of doppelgangers. Uh, you know, my doppelganger mm-hmm. has been seen on, on investigations. Um, so, Really? Maybe, yeah. So maybe the, that's what happens. That Two, two wrongs have, are
1: better than one?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, in quantum <laughs> physics, you can have two particles exist in two locations at the same time. True. Yeah. So, I mean, that's very similar. We don't know. That's the like the coolest. Yeah, I know two runs is way too many. I know that. <laughs> um, but it's this like I said, there's so much that is so amazing. It if we open our eyes and and just you don't have to believe in it, but just try to you know understand it. And uh, it it's it's a good trip. It really is. And I I think I'll keep on learning and keep on. Uh, doing this stuff till I die, basically, or, you know, to, for me, if you stop learning, then it's you stop living. It's the way I look at it. Yeah, yeah. So let me I, ask you this, Vala, before we move, we talk about time. So have you ever lost time?
1: I, I've never had a. um Yeah, I have. I've had a couple of of like time, like points in my life where I kind of uh, one, one was driving. And so this, this could be explained as, you know, spacing out, but I was driving once, um, I very briefly lived in Oregon and I was driving back to California. So I would make that drive and it was, you know, a seven hour drive. And I would always go at night because, you know, there's no traffic traffic. and you just, yeah, you go and it's just you and all the long haul truckers out there driving on, on five kind of driving, um, you know, up over Grant's pass, uh, in Oregon. And, and that's, that's an eerie, I find that to be a particular, there's some kind of vortex there. It's kind of an eerie, eerie place in, in my opinion, um, compounded by being, you know, a young woman driving alone on a, on a freeway at night, um, listening, no doubt to like coast to coast or something, <laughs> So it wasn't exactly like, you know, setting the stage for um uh, you know, happy good feels. Well, it was happy good feels for me. But there was one time that I got I so there I there was this one place where I would always kind of um get off the freeway and take a back way. Once I got down into California, I would take this back way. I'd get off five and I'd kind of crisscross on a couple of little highways and then take this um smaller road back to sort of the area where my parents live. And there was one time that I was driving, and I—I um, I don't remember taking the exit. I don't remember, um, you know, having it stopping. I don't remember anything like that. And I—I I did certainly didn't fall asleep. And I, but there I was. I was an hour down the road, and it was the same. It—it it wasn't the same time. It was like the same. It what what should have taken an hour and a half. It looked like about fifteen minutes had gone by, oh, and wow. I just I just said to myself, "Okay, you're tired. You just looked. You must have seen a ten. Uh, you know, what, you must have seen an eleven and thought it was a ten or or whatever it was. You know, I think it was like eleven something. So I, I just told myself I I misread the time. And this was pre cell phones and all of that. So I was just listening to the radio and. I don't remember anything in particular being on or anything like I didn't feel like any time had gone by, but I because and I probably wouldn't have even noticed if I had just been cruising along the same highway. But because I sort of, for lack of a better term, kind of came to um, on this side road that was very specific that I had to take it and I would always watch for it and I would always make sure that I didn't didn't miss it um, that 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 threw me off. But, you know, at the time I sort of just dismissed that as, I don't know, just being tired or, or human error. And I, I wasn't really familiar with time slips at at the, at the time. So I didn't really think anything of it. Um, I I think there was another, another experience that I, I'm not entirely sure if it was a time slip, um, or, or, what happened. I've never had a time slip where I've like, um, like looked and, and had it be the exact same time, Um, or like seeing myself or, or anything like that. But um, that, that was, it was disconcerting and it kind of always stayed with me, whether, whether it really was one um, or whether I was just an autopilot, you know, now of course it's, it's 25 years ago. So um, the details become (laughs) (laughs) easy. And then of course later you hear other people kind of tell a story and you think, well, that happened to me. That's odd because that happened to me, you know, and then you start thinking about it a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I, I had two experiences as well. And, and one, the first one uh, was very similar to yours. I used to play hockey in the men's league twice a week. And, uh, you know, it, it was at night and we'd, we'd go after the game. And I would go home and it, it was a pretty straight thing. You know, one highway, jump on another highway and go down to Thing I mean it was it was pretty I mean I've done it like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, and I left the game and, and I started driving and then I got her onto Route Two, and then the next thing I remember was I was driving up the wrong way in a in a on a ramp on another oh. highway farther away I and it was like all right where where the heck am I I wasn't I wasn't even going in the same direction I was like totally opposite direction totally on highways that I, it would never go on or, or whatever it's like it just happened so i you know i caught myself and i could never explain that one and the other one was actual loss of time because i did a i used to have a, a show ghost chronicles uh no new england ghost project it was a, a tv show that we uh, yeah broad, broadcast on wnds and uh, this is back in commercial TV. Actually, it's the first reality ghost hunting show on TV before the Ghost Hunting Touring. But you know, it was small. It was but anyways, so I had a production meeting at, at this guy's house in Drake, at the the town I live in, and it's about ten minutes away from my house. So uh, we finished up the the production meeting. I headed home. I got home, walked in the door, looked at the clock, and it was an hour later. So I picked up the phone. And I says, What time's it there? And he said, I said, "What time did I leave?" and for some reason, something that should have took me ten minutes took me an hour oh and i have, I have no recollection of wandering anywhere off of the route that I normally took, but I was home going through the what just normal and walking out and the, that time was gone. I could never explain that one. Those are the two time relationship things that i I can never explain,
1: yeah." Yeah, well that's that's interesting because I think that um a lot of people will equate actually the the you know the common sort of alien abduction symptom yeah, like is, <laughs> is, is 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 time right like is yeah. is this like missing time but one thing that I really um I mean this I don't think I discovered it I'm sure I'm not the first person to have this thought but when I was working on the Fairies, Pookas, and Changelings book. I was book. really digging deep into some, uh, like there's this, uh, you would love, you, you, it's it's hard to read, but it's fascinating. But there's a, a, a book um, called British Goblins and it's actually by a man who was the consulate, um, he was the American consulate um, living in Wales. And oh, he became wow. fascinated with Welsh um, fairy folk and sort of like ghost culture, and so it, I think it was it was published in like 1890 or something like that. His name was William Wirt Sykes, and it's great. I mean, there's all of these little like tidbits in there, you know, um, uh, just different different things at the crossroads and um, oh yeah, a lot of really interesting word origins because the Welsh language is a very specific language. Is it a and- language? Yeah, the Welsh or it, language, or is, it, or is it just gobbledygook? No, it's a language. It's a okay. beautiful language, but okay. it's also it's a sort of a um, derivation of Gaelic, right? So it's there's there's Scottish Gaelic and there's Irish, and they have some origins. But what was really interesting is I would find a term that he would use. This is what the local people call this, and of course, keep in mind, of course, it's his interpretation. Right, but. Um, uh, you know, that word would be like, uh, you know, a boggle, um, which could also be interpreted interpreted as, you know, a bogey. And then it also had some kind of goblin attributes. And so I found it really interesting. But um, he has a lot of really kind of cool information in there. And and there's a few sketches I'm I'm pretty sure it's in British Goblins that I saw this image. In fact, I'm sure of it, and it's um what somebody drew what they called a puka. Now a puka, like by by my formal definition, a puka is like a trickster spirit mm-hmm. or a, a trickster fairy, but it also is commonly used as a term to describe fairies in general. Like some people will just call any kind of fairy a puka. Um, so in 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 any case it was um, and it was spelled slightly differently, but there was this puka and it was a sketch and it was this little thing that was sort of standing next to a rock, and I kid you not, it looks very much like the images that people draw of the grays, mm. and that just seeing that kind of turned something in my mind. I started seeing um, all of these. Connections with some of these folk stories and the and the terminology um, like a, a an angry sort of like hobgoblin that is mistreated or doesn't feel appreciated by the household will scratch children at night. And so this started sounding kind of poltergeist they move things around and steal things start sounding poltergeist like also the connection to like younger people. So, I just sort of finding all of these parallels between what we describe as something today and what was described as something, you know, 300 years ago, and kind of um, just sort of playing around with the idea that we're just using different terms for things we're, we're using our limited language. We're using our limited words. As you yes. said, sometimes it's hard to quantify things in words or, or, put, put, um, an experience into words. We're using these words and they're sort of, um, describing something that, you know, now we might call that a poltergeist, but, you know, back then it was a hop goblin and it's, and it's not to discount that either of them exist. And I'm not saying for, de- you know, definitively that they're the same thing, but you can't deny that the characteristics uh, that somebody has been talking about for, you know, hundreds of years and why you shouldn't go into this part of the woods. And then there being, you know, there's, there's all of these more modern terms and cryptids and things like that. And um, just kind of uh, just playing around with the idea that we're just describing the same thing in, in different language and in, in different cultures. And there's a little bit of the telephone effect too, right? Where, um, a lot of what was recorded in, um, especially in the British Isles and throughout Europe, a lot of what was recorded, uh, for like the kind of the old ways and the fairy and folk lore was recorded by educated, um, uh, generally, just generally speaking, it was educated white men of the cloth very frequently because that's who had the education and the ability to read and write. And right. so they would gather these stories and put them into collections, but there was often, a, a, there's bias in it, of course. You know, every time you retell a story, but also, you know, there was morals added onto some of these tales that didn't have morals. You see that in um, the Americas and sort of the, um, appropriation of indigenous people and how those stories are sort of conflated into being these like monsters or not that they they aren't monsters and they don't exist, but there's a, there's a lens of interpretation where sometimes things are lost in translation. Um, but it's all, it's all very, it's all very interesting. And, and like you, like I, I, every time I, every time a book of mine goes to press, I learned something that I should have included in that book. (laughs) So I feel like it's, there's just a wealth of, um, especially when you start digging into the archives and the more you learn, um, and the more you have your own experiences, you can start drawing those connections and those, those parallels. Um, you know, go, just going back to the, the, the women of the paranormal, Um, I wrote a chapter about some of my favorites uh, at the time in Paranormal Parlor, but there's so many more to it. Honestly, I kind of I think that that's probably my back burner book is just about these women who did, you know, that there's one woman who channeled what she said was the um, the uh, posthumous novel of Mark Twain through the Ouija board. Yeah. And there was uh, another girl that
0: actually did,
1: uh, wrote a book. Uh,
0: uh, supposedly, an illiterate girl wrote a book through the Ouija board, through uh, ghostwriting, basically.
1: Right, and you had like patience worth. Who? Um, yeah, that's the one. I'm yeah, talking patience about, yeah. worth. Patience worth is the um, is the spirit name of Pearl Coran. and Pearl Koran was, uh, you know, she was a St. Louis housewife who started attending seances, and then suddenly dropped into trance, and the next thing you know, she's poet laureate. She was actually nominated to be poet laureate for her works, but she yeah, didn't have the opportunity to publish. Yeah, Yeah, she had several books and she had collections of poetry. And without that sort of, um, I don't want to call it a gimmick, but without that sort of like added element of this came from the supernatural... And the great interest in that at the time, she was would probably have been overlooked because it's very difficult for women to uh, get into publishing and say anything about their philosophies of life, let alone you could you could write some some fiction, you could write some fairy tales. But if you had things to say about how you thought mankind should conduct themselves, that was not something women were allowed to um were, uh, were, they weren't being published, you know, men could pontificate till they turned blue in the face, but women were not allowed to really give those opinions during, during that era. Not that they didn't, (laughs) but the kind of like, yeah, that angle of the paranormal was, was something that allowed them to, um, just reach some accolades that were otherwise unattainable.
0: So I just got a message from the other side and it tells me we've got to wrap it up. So <laughs> there you go. So th- that's your deal, Mary. You should do that should be your tagline. It's like this book was uh dictated from beyond the veil. So you you know in your next book. Right. There you go. Yeah, you probably sell yeah, a million right? copies. That's all you gotta do. Anyways, my some- a- Go ahead. If somebody oh, wants to find out no, more I- about you, we have run out of time. If if yeah, somebody yeah. wants to find out more about you, how can they?
1: Oh, yeah. You can visit my website. It's varlaventura.net. Um, and I'm just Varla Ventura on all the, the social things that I regularly avoid. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, thank you so uh, I, much, Ron. I love yeah, talking with you. I appreciate we it. Ran, we
0: ran out of time. That stinks. But anyway, it's what it is. I thank you for spending the evening with me and I uh, wish you the best of luck with your new book. And uh, we're brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 286 Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts. The Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North Andover, Massachusetts. And our very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. Go check it out. Become a member, three bucks a month, and you get access to oh, it's like I don't know, fifty stuff in there, exclusives. But I just posted something on uh exorcism that uh i did an interview on exorcism but anyways check that out go to and check out spirit quest this weekend it's paranormal retreat lots of cool stuff viola thank you so much and thanks everyone for listening and good night and god bless you all